The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. I feel like maybe I should try that again. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Today is a day worth celebrating. For a second there, I felt like online was louder in their homes than you guys were in this room. And that's not okay. So anyway, but um, hey, today is a day to celebrate. That's right. He has risen. Somebody yelled earlier. Thank you very much. He has risen indeed. Um, Friday, we did our Good Friday gathering online. Um, For those of you that joined us, um, hopefully that was a meaningful time. And then as we ended our Good Friday online, I always encourage people to consider Saturday and and just thinking about, you know, the disciples feeling uh, disillusioned, the movement was done, all that stuff. Um, But today is a day we celebrate. So I'm excited about that. Some of you guys, when you walked in, were excited that I still had hair. So um, I put a post out there on April Fool's that was a Snapchat filter my daughter took a couple of weeks ago of me bald. And I said, I'm using that on April Fool's. And it was about 50-50, those that thought I was actually bald and those that were like, no, 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 that's not real. So anyway, Still have hair, it's not some sort of miracle grow type of deal, but um, I also realize, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm a, a decent looking bald person, and I tell my wife all the time, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror every day, you don't notice things change so much, and so I said, look, if it's time for me to shave, you just gotta let me know, because I wanna make sure that I'm not kind of behind the curve on the need to do that, so, but um, that's not why we're here. Let's keep just moving on, but um, we're gonna land in Mark chapter 15, Today. And so if you've got a Bible with you, I always encourage people to follow along. If you've got a Bible app, you can follow along as well. But in Mark chapter 15, starting at verse 42, it says this, it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Jewish council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned the centurion from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. God, today we pray for you to continue to open our hearts, continue to challenge us, continue to work in us in ways that today is not just old hat, today is not just going through the motions that God, there's something that comes alive in us because of scripture and because of the work of your spirit today in every heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 15 ends with Jesus' death on the cross, Joseph taking the body down and his burial in the tomb. And, and three different times in a couple of verses, it says Jesus was dead, Jesus had died, and the centurion said it was so. So Jesus is, is, is definitely dead. The reason I bring that up is because after uh, 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 some time went by, there were some heresies that were coming up, which is part of why the disciples and, and Paul, and wrote, you know, they wrote portions of the New Testament to help people understand that there are lies that were going around. And so here we're talking about Jesus is dead. Now, Joseph was part of the Jewish high council. And and, and Joseph secretly was a believer. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 27, 57, describes the same story, but says he was a believer, although secretly because of his position on this Jewish council. It would have been big trouble for him to publicly be a believer, so it wasn't public. 
Joseph goes to Pilate and it talks about how boldly he went because the truth is if he went and looked at all like a follower, it would have been really bad news for him. And so he goes and, and, and you know, with, with a certain reverence, but also a boldness and asks for Jesus' body. Pilate somehow is surprised that Jesus is dead. He shouldn't be surprised that, that, he's, that Jesus is the first one to die and the other criminals weren't dead yet because when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he had already been flogged severely. If you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, it's, it's brutal to watch and, and, and the blood loss was already significant. So when Jesus is nailed then to the cross and he dies and Pilate is surprised, in some ways I go, really, he shouldn't be surprised. Then he gives permission, and so Joseph takes down the body and, and, and puts it in the tomb, and the, the Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, notice where that's happening. At the end of Mark chapter 15, Jesus is dead and buried. Now, you got to remember that three times in the gospel of Matthew alone, Jesus had said to the disciples, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried and found guilty. I'm going to be crucified and buried. Three times he told the disciples in no uncertain terms, that's what was going to happen. And yet when it happened, there they were disillusioned. He had said after all that, don't worry, I'm coming back. I want to think that I would be a better disciple than the disciples. Have you ever read a portion of the Gospels and been like, these guys are boneheads compared to me? Like, I, there are times where I'm like, come on, you guys. I mean, he said it a bunch of times, but I was thinking about this. Like, like here's, you know, me and my uncle, and then we're going out to lunch. We're hanging out, spending time together. If we were sitting over at the Ram having lunch together, and my uncle turned and said to me, hey, just so you know, in a few days I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm going to come back three days after that. I'd be like, you feeling okay? Like, no, no, no. And so I got to give them some credit. Like, it just would have been hard to really believe, like, okay, you're going to die, but somehow you're going to come back. And they just didn't wrap their heads fully around what he was saying. Now, the truth is there's two key reasons why Jesus died. One was because the, the leaders in, in Israel, the Jewish leaders that knew the Torah, that studied the law, that were looking for the Messiah, had kind of a wicked jealousy towards this coming of a Messiah, and they did not believe that Jesus could be the Messiah. So they began to get really angry because it started out with some small rumblings and little by little, it became more and more public and then prominent. And then pretty soon by Palm Sunday, the crowds are gathering, waving palm branches as a form of worship saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And by this time, they were indignant and definitely wanted Jesus killed. So Jesus died because the religious leaders wanted Jesus killed. Here's the thing though, let me take a pause for a second. One of the things this does in my heart is it makes me think about how those that should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah didn't recognize him. And it gives me pause because it makes me think about what about in my own life? where the Lord has knocked on the door of my heart, where the Lord has shown up in my world because as a follower of Christ, I deeply believe that there is a God who cares enough to walk with me every day, to move in my life, to answer things that I'm praying about, to guide me in certain ways and steer me away from other things. And heaven forbid that I would ignore the Lord in my life. Heaven forbid that you would ignore the Lord in your life. And yet here's these people that did that very thing. God, keep our hearts sensitive enough to not ignore you. Keep our lives sensitive enough as we walk out our days 
to be aware of when you show up and what you want to do in my life. Number one, Jesus paid the price or died because the religious leaders were jealous. But two, Jesus died because God loved us so much. That sin, the things that you and I do wrong, ways that we miss the mark and make decisions we shouldn't make, ways that you and I rebel from what God designed, God loved us so much that those things in our lives separate us. Our unholiness separates us from a holy God. But he didn't want to leave it that way. And this is where I always get deeply concerned. Well, it's Easter Sunday. This is the message. Well, a few times a year, the pastor reminds us of this whole deal that sin separates, but, but Jesus you know, paid the price. And we kind of go, good, let's keep going. And yet I think what a tragedy that this becomes old hat. What a tragedy that this is just walking through and going through the motions of some spiritual exercise rather than the value of the deep meaning of the cross in your life and my life. Jesus died because sin separates us from a holy God, but God's love wouldn't allow it to stay that way. John 3.16 says, it is one of the most basic verses in scripture, God so loved mankind, the world, that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died because God loved us so much that he came and paid the price for us. Jesus, or excuse me, Mark 15 ends with Jesus being buried. But what, look, what looks like defeat at the hands of an angry mob isn't. And this is where, again, I have a pause where we just go, yeah, it's, uh, you probably should say that it's Easter. You probably should say that it's Resurrection Sunday and that's what a pastor should say. What looks like Something that is over isn't actually over, but it's true. I want to take you for a second to John chapter 12, where Jesus was nudging the disciples. He said this in John 12, 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. For years, my wife has been asking for tulips in our flower beds that I would plant tulip bulbs. And for years, I've ignored that request. Years ago, she said, my favorite flower is hydrangeas. Can we have some hydrangeas? Now we have so many hydrangeas in our landscape, I can't count, but no tulips. So finally, last fall, feeling proud of myself, I went to the store and shopped for tulips and I bought a bag of 75 tulips. They were just bulbs in a bag, dry, and I brought them home and I wrapped them up for her for her birthday, and in October, she opened them for her birthday, and it was like, oh, cool, bulbs, that's awesome, I'm going to get tulips. And they went in the garage, and a month later, they were still in the garage. And in the bag, nothing changes, they're just bulbs in a bag. And then in November, finally, I, I snuck outside while she wasn't paying attention, and I dug a bunch of random holes in our flower beds, and I planted six or eight or ten tulip bulbs, and I even got fancy in one of them, and I dug a trench, and I planted nine bulbs in a row. But here's what's cool. After I planted them, nothing happens, right? After I planted them, I saw nothing until four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, there's these little leaves starting to stick out of the ground. And, and, and as the days go by, and now it's four weeks later, they're full-on leaves coming out of the ground, and eventually there's going to be tulips. And I'm going to win father of the year, husband of the year. <laughs> I already won father of the year, so anyway, thanks, babe. Appreciate you. 
I'm going to win husband of the year. Finally, she's going to get tulips. Now, let me share a little secret. The reason I don't like flowers in my flower beds is because they wilt and you have to take care of them and, you know, pluck them all out and cut them all out. It's kind of a mess. So I'm constantly picking things that are, you know, green and leafy, but don't make a mess because it's too much work. Is anybody with me on that or am I the only Grinch in the room? Okay, good. Many other Grinches. Thank you. So glad you're here. Um, I'm never coming back. I don't blame you. I get it. I totally get it. If you're watching online, don't hang up yet. Just bear with us. But, but so I finally planted them and they're coming up. Here's the thing. I could leave the bulbs in the bag dry year after year after year and nothing would change. Jesus specifically was nudging the disciples in John chapter 12 when he said, very truly I tell you, and he might as well have been doing this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, because he's trying to remind them of the work he has to go do. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Unless you get the bulb out of the dry bag in the garage and put it in the ground where it belongs, nothing's going to change. But he went on in John 12 to say, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And that's where, if you think about it, for me, this is profound. And for you, it's just like, yeah, it is what it is. But I want you to think for a second about how Jesus, if he had just remained a great teacher that grew into old age and passed away, it just would have been, wow, what another great teacher with great things to say. But Jesus had to go die. Jesus had to go be buried in the ground because something better needed to happen. What's profound to me when I say that is simply this. 2,000 years later, look at all the seeds that came from the one. Look at the impact this message has had on your life and on my life. That's the work of Christ. Mark chapter 15 says Jesus is dead. But Mark 16 starts like this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, and it had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for the Nazarene, Jesus, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Every other world religion has a leader that died and stayed dead. But the difference when it comes to faith in Christ is that we have a leader of a movement that not only died but rose again to remind us that he defeated death and gives us life eternally. That's why we celebrate. Is anybody with me? That's why this is the best news of all. That's why today is worth celebrating what God has done in Christ because of his love for you and for me. It's the best. Now, I love how Mark, almost given a little dig at Peter, said, you know, the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter, whatever he is. I love that part because Peter was the one who specifically said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know who you're talking about. Denied him three times boldly at one point. And so talks about this quote from the angel, go tell the disciples and, and Peter, he's going ahead and you will see him. 
Let me go back to John chapter 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now look at the very next verse that Jesus is saying to the disciples. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What Jesus is saying is, he talks about that I've got to die, but then he's saying this. If you're a follower of mine, I'm asking you to lay down your own life, to live in surrender to me. That what God wants of anybody that would say I'm a believer in Jesus is this picture of surrender, to believe in the work of God on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven, so that you and I could have a fresh start, so you and I could have a clean slate. Like I said, it's the issue of sin in our lives, ways that you and I miss the mark that separates us from a holy God. But it's not your ability to do the right things that measure up to find forgiveness. It's not your ability to, to have a, you know, get a new beginning simply because you know, your behavior is better than it used to be. This isn't about behavior modification. When it comes to this thing about following Christ, what it's about is laying our lives down in surrender. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in what he's done for you. Believe in the sacrifice on the cross so that you and I can be forgiven and live in forgiveness towards others. Some of you wonder, how am I supposed to forgive that that happened in my life? How am I supposed to let that go that happened in my life? Realize how much you've been forgiven and it becomes a lot easier to forgive other people. You want to talk about life, it starts in surrender to the work of God on the cross. Number two, it comes in surrender by laying down our own agenda, those things that we want. See, there's this weird thing that goes on in our world that we often think, listen to me, we often think that our happiness is tied to getting what we want, is tied to getting what we want when we want it, that our happiness is tied to getting what we want when we want it as often as we want it, that if only I could just get to this place in life, how many of us have played the rat race game? Man, when we were 16, if I could only, you know, finally graduate high school or if I could have a car or get my license or if I could only get to college, graduate college or get that, you know, person to fall for me and marry me or finally buy the home or get the car or have the promotion or have this much in the bank or go on those kind of vacations, then I will have arrived. It's the game that we play. And somehow we think that our happiness is tied to getting what we want. But here's what happens when you and I make friends with people that get what they want all the time, that every conversation becomes about them, they turn it around to them every time. That they get their way, we, we, we go where they wanna go. Those are the kind of people that as we get to know them, what do we do by nature? We back away. Because it's not fun to be around somebody who always has to have their way. There's a lie in our world that somehow we believe that if we could just be happy by getting these things, that's when things will all be great. It's not true. The most miserable people on the world, in the world really are those that constantly have to have their way. Think about that for a second. There was a Mayo Clinic study not too long ago that I was reading for this message, and it talked about six key benefits of, of, of laying down our agenda to serve other people. 
And those benefits included, listen to this, less depression, a greater sense of purpose, better overall physical and mental health, reduced stress, longer life, more broad and healthier relationships. That was just one study from the Mayo Clinic. As I continue to read other studies, here's a few things I noted just in my, my own you know, gathering up of the information. Other studies included um, greater happiness, more inspiring to other people, more gracious, less chronic pain, lower blood pressure, and in teenagers, greater success, sorry, better grades and greater success in future endeavors. When you and I are willing to lay down our own lives to serve others, to look through the lens of life, not as what can I get out of it, but what can I contribute to a world that needs our grace and our love. It's amazing how these studies you can go and read right now and they've come out in the last couple of years and yet 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, the best way to live is in surrender to me and by the way, if you surrender to me and lay down your own agenda, you're gonna find yourself a lot more content and purposeful. 2,000 years ago, he said that. It's no wonder we should want to follow in his footsteps. Jesus said anyone who loves their life We'll lose it. In other words, you and I scratching and clawing to get what we want, in fact, ends up our lives slip out of our own fingers when we try to hold on so tight. But Jesus says when we look at it differently and open-handedly hand our agenda to the Lord and live in a way that's serving and loving others, Jesus reminds us we find life by looking at the example of Jesus, that he paid the price. We lay down our own lives. It's not that we lay down our lives like dying for the sins of people. That's what Jesus did. But we, then, we lay down our lives in the sense that we give up our own agendas to invest in the lives of other people. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world, for my sake, will keep it. And then verse 26, this is all John 12, 26 says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus says the best way to live is follow what I've done. Lay down your own agendas, live in surrender. Don't think life is all about what you can milk out of it for your own pleasure. That's missing the point. And I love how at the end of this, he says, my father will honor the one who serves me. Some of you have maybe heard of Jim Elliott. He was a missionary back in the 1950s, and I've always appreciated this story deeply, but Jim Elliott was a really young missionary that, that had a heart to go to unreached people groups, people that had never had contact with, with the, the gospel or scripture or people that knew Jesus. He just had this heart. So he began to pray. And, and, and just through praying, the Lord opened his heart to a people in Ecuador called the Aka. And they were separated from society and technology and all this stuff and lived as a tribal people, but he had this passion to reach them. And so he began to pray and he began to share with others. And finally, there was a team of five guys that, that were just praying and, and, and thinking about what would it look like to reach out to them. The thing was, this people group were, were, were kind of a rough group. And so they continued to study their culture and figure out the language a bit and try to figure out, you know, just building inroads. And at one point they flew planes over at different times and, and dropped gifts by parachute down to the tribe, hoping they would go, okay, this is good stuff. There's something good happening. 
Finally, they set up a camp not too far downriver from where they were, where the tribe lived. And at one point they made contact and it went pretty well. And they were encouraged. It was a little, little thing, but it went well and they were encouraged. So they continued to pray and figure out how to make inroads and then they encountered them one more time and this time it didn't go so well. And all five of them lost their lives trying to reach out to this group. And it's a sad story, but here's the other part. Jim Elliott was a young married man. And Elizabeth, his wife, refused to give up on these people because she shared the burden her husband shared. Three years later, through a couple of different miracles to keep the story short, she built inroads to this people group. And for five years, she lived among them and shared the truth of Christ with them. And many of them gave their lives to faith in Jesus. You know what Jim Elliott did? He made sure his bulb didn't stay in the bag. You know what the disciples did, every one of them, except one? They made sure their bulbs didn't stay in the bag. They gave themselves for the sake of a gospel that matters. And it's an example for you and me to go, you know what, I don't want my life to stay in a bag, dried up, not changed. But what does it look like for you and I to plant ourselves in the ground so something better can happen? The idea of dying to yourself and myself. The idea of living in surrender. I don't know your situation when you walked in the door today, but here's what I know. I didn't grow up in church world. I never thought I'd be standing on a stage getting to share the gospel. And yet as I was just spending time in prayer yesterday, I felt like what an honor that I get to do this. And I would definitely say the best decision I ever made was when I realized who Jesus was to invite him into my life, to surrender to his love for me. And I wanna encourage you today. It is the best decision you could ever make. And, and maybe you walked in and you're kind of just, I'm just not sure where I'm at. Maybe you hear what I'm saying. And when I say a fresh start, you're like, I could use that. When I talk about a clean slate and forgiveness, some of you walk in, you go, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Honestly, it doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done. You're here today and Jesus wants to extend his grace into your life and give you that new beginning. And so in a moment, I'm gonna literally, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you wanna invite Jesus into your world. Maybe you've never done that before or maybe you've done it in the past and you were 10 years old at a camp. You're a teenager in some youth group. Now you're in your 50s. It's been a long time and you're kind of going, well, I'm just kind of here because a family member invited me. I don't know what your situation is, young, old. I don't know where you're at in this journey. But I want to remind you that God extends his grace to you. And what better day than on a resurrection Sunday, not only to celebrate what God has done, but to specifically invite that work into your heart personally. And so if you're here today and when I say the word surrender, it means, you know what? I need to surrender. I want to give my life to faith in Christ. I want, I want that new beginning. I want that clean slate. If that's you, with every head not bowed, with every eye staring up, with every person staring at a screen online, if that's you today and you want that new beginning, in a moment on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. You hear what I'm saying, and you want to invite Jesus into your world where you can find forgiveness and grace and that relationship that God, our Father, wants with you. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, where are you at? Awesome, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you can put your hands down. 17 people said, I wanna invite Jesus in person. I think that's pretty awesome. 
I'm gonna ask you to take a step with me and it's simple as, and I know this sounds so mechanical and I hate that it's mechanical in a way, but I just want you to pray with me. And so I'm gonna pray and I just ask you to repeat a prayer after me. And if you've prayed this prayer before, if you've already invited Jesus to be in your world and, and, and save you, then, then I want you to pray with us. So for those of you that raise your hands and, and for the rest of us, just pray with me. Would you just repeat after you say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done. That you paid the price that I could be forgiven of everything I've done wrong. That you paid the price so I could have life. I need a new beginning today. I'm grateful for a fresh start. Come into my world. Save me from my own mess. And be the Lord that I can follow you day after day. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I know it seems mechanical, but I wanna celebrate with you the fact that you invite Jesus in because I believe it is significant. Like I said, it's something I did years ago, but man, it really was the best decision. It doesn't mean I don't face stuff. It doesn't mean I don't do wrong things or whatever, but knowing that Jesus walks with me every day is a pretty incredible thing, amen? I wanna pray one more prayer. God, today, in the world that we live in and all that goes on, I think it's easy for all of us, not, not all of them out there, all of us to buy into this idea that I'll be happy when this happens in my life. I'll be happy when I get this. I'll be happy when, when that comes my way. I'll be happy when I own that thing, when I go to that place. But God, I pray that instead of thinking about life being about our own happiness, we would realize that what you want is us willing to lay down our own agendas. Sometimes it's our own hopes and dreams. Not that you wanna take away all of our hopes and dreams, but what you wanna do is give us something that's far more fulfilling than our own way. And I pray as a people that just like Jesus, we would live laying down our own selves to invest in the lives of others, walking generously with the time that we have, realizing that, Lord, to have truly meaningful and deep relationships, it's not about me getting my way and people doing what I want. It's about realizing, God, that I'm called to lay down myself to love others well. Help us do it, especially in the world we live in. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.